0: Oregon Employment First, supporting people with intellectual and developmental disabilities to work in community jobs. Learn more at iWorkWeSucceed.org.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Oregon Employment First podcast. I'm Acacia McGuire-Anderson, Statewide Employment First coordinator. This week, we're talking about the collaboration between the Office of Developmental Disability Services, Vocational Rehabilitation, and the Oregon Department of Education, and how these three programs come together to support employment-first efforts in Oregon. Joining me today is Heather Lindsay from Oregon Department of Education and Keith Ozels from Vocational Rehabilitation. Heather, let's start with you. Tell
2: us what you do and about your program. Well, my name is Heather Lindsay, and I am the Secondary Transition Liaison with Oregon Department of Education. And in my role, I work in collaboration with Department of Human Services through Vocational Rehabilitation and Developmental Disabilities. And then I also work in partnership with our local school districts and education service districts, also known as our ESDs. And in that work, I also partner with our transition technical assistance Network, which is our Regional Transition Network Facilitators and Pre-Employment
3: Support Specialists. Great. How about you, Keith? Hi. uh, Thanks for having me, Acacia. Um, uh, So my name is Keith Ozels, and I'm the Workforce and Youth Manager for Vocational Rehabilitation. So that means that I manage programs dealing with um, transition-aged youth, partnerships with local school districts, and and many times that is collaboration with Employment First teams. And then I also work with our business engagement side. So we're working with businesses, trying to create um, resources and, and sort of talent pipelines for uh, businesses around Oregon to hire and recruit people with disabilities.
1: That's great. I'm going to briefly just jump in for Office of Developmental Disability Services because Employment First gets to do a little bit of both. Um, But we do overlap um, functionally with Department of Education and Vocational Rehabilitation in terms of serving youth. Um, DD is a little different from education or VR because we serve from birth to death, um, which is exciting. But then we have these specialized areas, which I think is where the collaboration is important between DD and VR around how students are able to go from school and get work experience um, that may be funded through pre-employment services or through education, through their transition program, or even through developmental disability services. And then ideally they would graduate with a job, or if not, at least connected to vocational rehabilitation and developmental disability services so that we can help them um, find a job. And then once they get the job, Vocational rehabilitation may fade out. Hopefully they've graduated, so education's faded out. And then um, developmental disability services would hang on and do some job coaching until the person was independent in their job. So it's fun to watch how this collaboration can hopefully support a student to go from school to work
3: heard about Employment Outcome System? Doesn't sound exciting, I know, but it is. The Employment Outcome System, or EOS website, puts you in control. Go to oregoneos.org and you can look at info and outcomes for agencies providing employment services to people with developmental disabilities in Oregon. You can look up providers in your county and compare their numbers on employment services.
1: So that's a little bit about Um, Vocational rehabilitation education and our roles. Um, Is there anything else, Heather, you'd want to add about what um, transition services are
2: or what Department of Education does
1: for a student while they're in transition related to work?
2: I think what makes our state an exciting state to be in and an exciting time is that we have the employment first efforts that we talk a lot about agency collaboration. And starting to vision um, earlier for our students regarding what do you want to be when you grow up or what kind of employment opportunities do you want to seek. We have a lot of trainings that we're providing to our educators regarding what is vocational rehabilitation, when to make the referral. Um, And then we've also had an opportunity to partner with our local employment first uh, programs around the state and um, talk more about employment opportunities earlier. And I think it's been an exciting time to collaborate with other partners than just within our education entity.
1: Great. Can you talk a little bit more about that before we turn it back over to vocational rehabilitation about some of the examples of maybe a partnership with uh, an employment first team? I think about Regional Job Club, which I know was mostly an education initiative, but it included a lot of partnerships or a different example?
2: Sure, no, I think Regional Job Club is a fantastic example where we've had local school districts that come together and uh, meet with a large employer in the community and explore employment opportunities, but also talk about job readiness skills. It started after the partnership with VR regarding WIOA workforce, and there was a strong partnership in our Eastern Oregon region to put together this full day of exploring jobs and community, talking about soft skills, self-advocacy and bringing students together who experience disabilities to explore employment opportunities in their community and also in outside communities, maybe then the community that they live in. It was uh, started in 2016 with a small regional job club of 50 or 60 students. Now we are anticipating 12 regional job clubs in the 2018-2019 school year. It's been a really exciting time. There's a lot of collaboration that takes place between our local employment first teams, but local VR counselors, our DD case managers, personal agents, our transition network facilitators and our ODDS regional employment specialists.
1: Okay, great, thank you. Keith, how about from a vocational rehabilitation perspective, especially as it relates to youth and transition, mm-hmm. anything you wanna add about the program? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I think that um, the partnership is vital. You know, in some ways, I see that VR is sort of a connector between these two agencies because many times in the school setting, students are exploring a lot of different interests that they may have. They're they're building up those independent living skills. And then, when they're really at that point, when they're ready to seek competitive integrated employment, they'll usually reach out to VR, either seeking pre-employment transition services or maybe wanting some more um, more substantial help in actually identifying and finding a, a job in the community. So VR will will definitely partner with the school district, learn about what good work they've done there start working with the individual student and develop a plan, and many times we need a team for that student to be successful, especially if they're a student who are going to need ongoing long-term support. So that's when we're pulling in our DD partners and, and their parents and guardians and really Wrapping around that student and exploring what are the things that are going to be elements for their success? How can we line those up? So once we get that job in the setting, in that competitive integrated setting, we will fade out over time, but we want to ensure that that we have our DD partners providing those ongoing supports or possibly it's natural supports. And so we wanna make sure that that is in place before we step back. So um, it really is, it's, it's teaming, coming together through staffings with our partner agencies and just learning from the good work that we're all doing. And so I think that the partnership has really made it so that we're, we're, um, we are coming together. We're using that collective knowledge about the individuals we work with to, to ensure their success.
0: Do you or someone in your family experience an intellectual or developmental disability and want to learn more about Oregon's employment services for people with disabilities? Tune in to the Oregon Employment First podcast on the first and third Tuesday of each month. Hear about employment success stories and learn from experts and people working in the field about what is happening in Oregon to support people with developmental disabilities to work in community jobs.
1: That's great. And it makes me think a little bit about when I was a services coordinator in the DD field. Um, One thing that I was fortunate enough to do was work a lot with transition age students, and there's so much that happens for a services coordinator then, and obviously for the person who's receiving the services, they're having to figure out if they already live in a residential home, they usually have to go from a child home to an adult home, sometimes they live with their families, and so they're trying to navigate, do they want to live independently, or maybe look at a group home or foster care home, so they've got kind of that That where are they going to live? But then so much of this depends on work. Um, I think when I was a services coordinator, what was so cool about transition is we had families and individuals who'd been integrated in their classrooms their whole lives. So there was no question when they graduated from high school, they were going to be in the community and part of the community. And we were starting to see that demand. Then we would go and kind of, quote unquote, tour you know day programs or employment settings and it was this question from the person or the family of what is this i just want to work in the community like anybody else would and That's where, I mean, we've all been in this Employment First initiative for so long. It's easy for us to think now, of course, somebody's going to graduate and go to work in the community, and we're going to look at their goal and how we build the supports around them. So it could be a pre-employment transition service through VR. It could be a transition program through education. But I think even going back to 2012 and 2013, there were no, quote unquote, pre-employment transition Mm -hmm. services. And just a little... Uh, note for our listeners, we will have a podcast on pre-employment transition services. So if you're interested in that, I would recommend checking that out. But I think for that student to be able to connect all of the dots and for that services coordinator and personal agent who are helping this person navigate, it can really um, be a huge bonus to be aware that vocational rehabilitation can connect with somebody while they're still in school. You know, Education, their transition program should be helping them. Get work experience and explore community experience so that when they graduate, the job is just a second part of that. And hopefully it helps them with their workload in terms of trying to balance all aspects of the person's life,
2: that there are these partners that can help with this aspect, with the work aspect. Something that you brought up that made me think about the excitement of what's happening around transition services is that we're providing a lot of regional trainings regarding all of our plans. Each one of our agency either has a plan for employment, an education plan, or an individual service plan. What we've done recently in our trainings is we've we've talked about the alignment of those plans, that there's an employment goal that is associated with each plan and to make sure that they align with one another to make sure that we are sharing information. We've talked a lot to our educators about all of the great assessments that are taking place in the school setting and in community to share the community work experiences that students are completing. And then also just to make sure that when you are having your individual education planning meeting to invite your partners to the table. It's been really exciting to hear stories from our communities regarding transition IEPs, where there are seven, eight, nine people around the table that are there to provide great wraparound services for our students and families.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a good that's a good point. We know that you know our field has a lot of meetings to go to, but prioritizing some meetings like the education plan or plan for employment and coordinating it with the ISP or the Individuals Service Plan Support Plan um, can definitely be a way to actually save time in the long run because you do have all those partners already clued in. Definitely. Thank you. So we've talked a lot about overlap um, and I mentioned a little bit about employment first and how in 2018, almost 2019, probably 2019 by the time this comes out, um, we will be talking a lot about pre-employment transition services, transition programs, and some of that stems from the executive orders that we had. So Executive Order 1304 was released by Kitzhopper when he was still governor in 2013, and then it was followed up by Executive Order 1501, also released by Kitzhopper. Um, And that was really Part of what initiated Employment First. um, Even before that, in 2008, Oregon was one of the very first states to sign on to the national movement around Employment First, which really means, for those of you who this may be a new concept, it's the idea that every person, no matter what type of disability or what type of Um, support need they have can go to work in the community and work in a job like anybody else would. And it's our job as a developmental disability system or education system or vocational rehabilitation system to build supports around that person so that they can have that opportunity to work. The Oregon
0: Employment First podcast explores topics centered on employment for Oregonians with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Field staff, providers, Oregon employers, people with disabilities, and their families may be interested in topics ranging from the history of Employment First in Oregon to how to have the employment conversation from a case management perspective. The Oregon Employment First podcast airs bimonthly on the first and third Tuesday of each month. Tune in. So one
1: of the questions and I'm just going to ask everybody to think back a little bit, is how we've collaborated around those policies. And it could just be a couple of examples. Keith, I'll start with you Mm -hmm. Um, around the executive orders and then the they were memorandums of understanding. Now they're agency. -agency -agency
3: Interagency agreements. Yeah, yeah.
1: You want to share a little bit about VR's role there?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that um, those those agreements are really clarifying process and procedures about the way that we work together, and and just it it in some ways outlines the way that we can collaborate the way that we can work together so if you know if there is a change in leadership if if somebody moves in a position we have a guiding document that will really help us stay on track to meet our goals to make sure that there is no um, lapse in service or there's no uh, there's no um, there's no point where we get misdirected, I guess. So that that's kind of the the stuffy dry answer. But I mean, I think the more important answer is that, well, what does that result in? And I think that those are the really interesting things. Like um, the three of us, we've been able to partner on a collaboration where we create summer work experiences for students with disabilities. And just this past year in the summer of 2018, we created over 300 work experiences for students. And of those 300, 100. I think I want to say it was almost 125. Are students with intellectual and developmental disabilities, and those are those are competitive integrated employment settings. These are these are where they're working side by side with other people without disabilities, and where they're really getting a, a a taste of what it's like to work in the community and and change that mindset. So going back to employment first. It's showing that employment is the first option we should always consider, and we're we're giving them the um, we're giving them a, a view of their future by pre- creating these opportunities.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that, and that even brings me back. I think we've all been here since 2013, not quite in the roles we're in now, but working on employment first in one way or another. And it makes me think about how we got to those summer work grants, which is honestly, podcasts are for behind the scenes, right? (laughs) I mean, we were all sitting in a room together because that was what the executive order was about, that vocational rehabilitation, Department of Education, Developmental Disability Services would come together and figure out where might there be some barriers, systematic barriers for people going to work? And one thing we identified very early on was the idea that um, students should have work experience. Almost anybody who's in high school or at the age of transition is working, even if it's a summer job or part-time job after school. And it became this issue of, well, who creates that experience? Who pays for that experience? And we don't really have a federal outline for what that should look like. A lot of our services, they're very regulatory. They're regulated and the feds say, thou shalt do this and this and this. But in this case, it wasn't clear. And so there was a lot of conversation. And eventually I think we said, well, maybe we should figure out what the best practices and how this will work. And um, I really appreciate, Keith, you said we could do this grant. VR's got the pre-employment stuff coming. And Heather said, and, you know, education wants to be on board. You are already piloting something, I think, in Lincoln County. And I was happy to be a cheerleader. Um, so I, I think it's, it, that's exactly the kind mm-hmm. of collaboration that came out of it. So it's not, done by any means we still need to see where those what we're going to learn from Mm -hmm. those grants but it's definitely exciting to see the outcomes i mean we've already heard of people going to full-time work or at least part-time like 20 hours a week um straight out of those Mm -hmm. summer work grants yeah so heather um how about you looking back to some of the executive orders or the different um work stream meetings that we would have internally and how that's changed policy or um, lended itself to collaboration?
2: I think it's helped us to write policy smarter together. And when I say that, it's whenever any agency is going through any type of policy change, all three agencies are sitting at at the same table, having the opportunity to review the policy that's in draft to say, this might work for our agency or the things that may be of concern. And to be able to have that open dialogue of, you know, these are the valid concerns I have regarding this policy, or this is really going to complement our work. And if you're going to have this policy in place, let me make sure that I message out to our communities to let sh- let our educators know that there may be a change in funding services. I think of one ex- specific example is when Discovery Service became a uh, funded service through developmental disability services, there was a lot of miscommunication of who pays for discovery. I think we had the opportunity to sit together, the three of us, and say, how do we better message that information and make sure our educators know where discovery is is provided, how it's provided, and how it's funded. In 2015, Uh, ODDS wrote a transition policy and it talked a lot about what are some of the services that can be provided while a student is transition aged when they're in school or when they've exited school. I thought it was a great example of VR, DD, and education coming together to say let's make sure we do an abbreviated educator-friendly version of that policy to share so our educators knew what was coming out that was and a little bit more education language, which was, was very well-received in our communities. Great. Thank you.
1: So I think the last question, and then we will um, wrap up our conversation, is our favorite part of working together. And I'll start. Um, but I really enjoy working with both of you, Heather and Keith, because I feel like we are all in a place where sometimes we have to say no because there's a rule or regulation or we don't have budget but none i've never experienced from either of you the roadblock of well no and we're done and i'm going to walk away from the table and that's all there is to it it's always a collaborative process of what if we did it this way or what if we talked about um you know asking the feds or taking it to a conference and finding out what other states are doing. And so I've always really appreciated that. I feel like I can come to the table with a problem or an issue or even an idea, and we can work together to figure out how to resolve it. So thank you.
2: Heather? I appreciate our working relationship just because we've had some Crucial conversations together, and sometimes they have been difficult conversations regarding funding because we all are in the social service field, and we're very passionate about the work that we do. But we've always been able to problem solve, and I think to complement what you said, Acacia is it's never been that hard and fast. No, it's okay. We've run into this obstacle. How to do we remove the barriers? I think the summer request for application, the RFA-4448 is a really great example. We developed that after a meeting, just talking together, saying, we know that this is right for families. We know this is right for students. How do we make it happen? And I just remember we brought this idea forward and everyone was so excited to know that we were were coming to the table together. We even have Staffings from the individual um, consumer. Whenever a, a consumer has a problem, we, we've been able to staff just all the way down to one individual person, all the way to federal policy. And how do we make sure that we provide proper guidance to our field and our communities? I've um, appreciated our humor and uh the passion that each one of you bring to this work. All right, Keith?
3: Yeah, I just to echo what Heather said. I mean, I don't I don't think I've worked with two people that have been so passionate about the work that they do, which is inspiring to me. It uh I really feel like they're, you know, this is hard work that we do and to know that I have two allies that are committed to their work and and people who will be there to help me solve problems and I just, you know, I I think that we've been able to accomplish a lot because we are allies in that. And I think that one of the things that I see in the two of you that's so um, inspiring is that we try to create those same, um, partnership and alliances at a local level. So I think that we're seeing a successful partnership and, and working relationship that we're trying to duplicate or replicate out in the communities. So I think we're accomplishing that through things like the local employment first teams through these work experiences where we're having employers and schools and community providers come together and work together. So I think that, um, I think that it's, it's, it's just, it's inspiring. You guys inspire me.
2: I love that. If we have a community that has said that we really would like you to come and be a part of our conversation, the three of us will hop in one car and it could be 20 minutes away. It could be five hours away. We want to be there. We want to support our communities. And I've always appreciated that you're quick to hop in the car and hit the road. All right. Heather, Keith, Acacia coming to see you soon.
3: Need help planning your road to work? Go to roadtowork.oregon.gov and create your customized course to a job using available services and supports. That's roadtowork, with the number two, .oregon.gov.